You know, summer is a time when many of our folks are visiting their family and friends, and they're away. So we trust that God is blessing them and pray for their protection, even as they are fellowshipping with their families. And similarly, there's some of you here who are visiting your family, and we are so glad that you're uh, chosen to visit us this, this morning and trust that this service will be a blessing to you. This summer, we are doing a series on what we call Awaken. Seeing Jesus in the stories of life and the scripture. Last week, Duncan Reed shared with us about the sufferings of Job and reminded us that all of our sufferings ultimately point us to Jesus. And this morning, I want to speak about an individual from the New Testament who faced some challenges and sufferings of a different kind in his own life. And we'll glean a few stories, a few lessons for us as to what we can learn from his life. Let me give you the context of how this sermon came to be. When the, sermon, when the series was first uh, agreed upon, uh, I decided to preach on a different topic from John 15. But periodically, I deviate from my regular uh, Bible reading uh, passage that I have, and then focus on reading on a few uh, chapters in a book, or focus on reading and rereading and studying a short book. And recently I've been reading the two epistles that Paul had written to Ephesians, uh, to the church in Ephesus, as well as Philippi. And there's something that really resonated with me and touched my heart as I was reading through the book of Philippians, and I just want to share with you what God has been teaching me in my own life. And both Ephesians and Philippians are written by a man called Apostle Paul, if you are new to church and do not know about the the church history. And I want to give you a very brief background about Paul's life, uh, just for the benefit of those of you who may not know much about Apostle Paul's life. And certainly it will jog memory for those of you who are familiar with his life. Now, Apostle Paul was formerly known as Saul of Tarsus, and he was a religious Pharisee. He, was, uh, he knew the scriptures well, and he was a dedicated Jew. He, was, he sincerely believed that the Christian movement was dangerous to, to Judaism. And consequently, he took it upon himself to persecute Christians who were in Jerusalem, to capture them and persecute them. And subsequently, he got permission from the high priest in Jerusalem to travel outside of Jerusalem to capture Christians in Damascus in other areas and bring them back to Jerusalem. So as Paul was, as Saul was traveling from Jerusalem to Damascus, the resurrected Jesus met him. In a flash of light, his eyes were blinded, and he was without vision for three days and three nights, and he was praying, fasting and praying. And a man called Ananias, a disciple of Jesus who was living in Damascus, who was sent to, uh, to Saul to pray for him, and Saul was healed. And Paul's life dramatically changed after his encounter with Jesus. And from then on, he channeled all his energies to live for Jesus and to spread the good news of the gospel. Approximately half of the book of Acts records the life and works of Apostle Paul. The ninth chapter of Acts is his conversion story. There are 28 chapters in the book of Acts, and most of it focuses on Apostle Paul's life. So if you have never read that passage, that, that book, it would be really something would be enriching for you during these summer months to see how 
spent out Paul was in his life and walk with Jesus. And Paul's influence on Christian thought and practice was characterized as being profound as well as persuasive. He was an intellectual man. And as we celebrate the 500th year of uh, Reformation, Martin Luther, the, the father of Reformation, was greatly influenced by Paul's writing. And he was the one who actually made the scripture available to us in the form that we have to common people that you and I can read. And specifically Paul's writings that we are saved by grace and by faith alone, rather than by our works, was something that led to uh, uh, the uh, change of mind in Martin's life and therefore birthed the Reformation. So Paul was sent as the first missionary to the Gentile world by the church in Antioch. And he had made three missionary journeys. And after he finished the third missionary journey, he began to write letters to each of these churches that he was instrumental in, in, uh, in establishing. And those letters comprise about half of the New Testament. Four of those letters were written when Paul was in prison. So how, was, how did Paul end up in prison? So after he finished his third missionary journey, he was in Jerusalem, visiting the brothers in Jerusalem. And as he was preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, the Pharisees there arrested him. And Paul appealed to Caesar. And Paul was transported from Jerusalem to Rome by the Roman soldiers. And in Rome, he was in house, under house arrest for two long years. And it is in that context, while Paul was in prison, he wrote this letter to Philippians. And Paul was arrested not for breaking the civil law, but, was for, but for preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And Philippians is Paul's letter of joy, the joy letter. In fact, throughout the four chapters, we read about joy or rejoicing 16 times. And Philippians exudes with this joy of the Lord. In the first chapter, first chapter is focused on joy in suffering. Second chapter is focused on joy in serving. The third chapter is focused on joy in believing. And the last chapter, joy in giving. So the secret of Paul's joy in the midst of the shackles and the, uh, the, that he was bound by under house arrest was the fact that he was exuding the joy of the Lord in his life. So if you really look at the first chapter of uh, Philippians, the 12th verse to 14th verse, it gives us the secret of Paul's joy. And this is what he writes. After the initial greetings and thanking the people uh, that had supported him and had taken care of his physical needs in the 12th verse, this is what he writes. I want you to know, brothers... That what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers having been confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much bolder to speak the word without fear. There are three lessons I've gleaned from this passage. And the first one is, Paul was confident that God was in control. In the midst of the dire circumstances that he was living in, he was confident that God was in control. Secondly, 
Paul was convinced of his role in this adverse conditions that he was facing. And thirdly, Paul's boldness encouraged his fellow believers. Let's look at each one of them very briefly. Paul was convinced that God was in control. Now after this introductory uh, greeting, Paul opens the body of this letter all the way from 12th, chapter, 12th verse to 26th verse. And he says, as you know brothers. Now this phrase introduces something. It almost forms the topic sentence for the next uh, 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 things that he's writing uh, up until verse 26. Now Paul acknowledges that God was in control in the midst of what he was facing. And he says, I want you to know what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now Paul was arrested by, his, uh, by religious people in Jerusalem. And he was not filled with bitterness or anger or envy towards the people that had arrested him. Nor was he wallowing in self-pity because of the situation that he was facing. And he was old at this time. He was probably in his 60s. Having had an accomplished life, he had seen the height of heights of joy and the depths of depravity. And he had seen both the riches and poverty. And towards the end of his life, as he's facing this, he was so convinced that God was in control. Now, some of us may not be in a prison right now. But are we conscious that what is happening to us is under God's control? And it is for the advancement of the gospel. And some of us, in fact, we may not be in prison, but we might be experiencing abundance in our life. We might have faced a promotion or we might, life might be going really well for us or things might be going uh, better than we expected. Or perhaps things are going very, uh, are, are very challenging for us at this point. Do we realize that, that God is in control? That what has happened to us is really to serve the advance of the gospel both in our lives and out of us to the world that is surrounding us. Paul was also convinced of his role in the advance of the gospel. Now Paul is aware of his current circumstances. He says it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest of my uh, to, to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So he recognized the role that he specifically had to play uh, by becoming aware of the current situation and the circumstances that he was facing. Now Paul was serving uh, uh, the the Roman sentence in in the custody of the Praetorian guards who were part of the Imperial Royal Army. And this Imperial Royal Army, specifically the Praetorian Guards, were specialized hand picked young men of the military group by the Emperor himself. And they were Caesar's own bodyguards who were strong, who were courageous, who were brilliant, who were sophisticated. And in addition to guarding the emperor himself, they were put in charge of guarding the people who were awaiting trial to meet Paul. And they served the palace guards for 12 years. And after that, they were given appointments, either the commanding generals or as senators or ambassadors. And these are powerful and strategic people. And if you want to influence the Roman Empire, Paul could not have picked a better group of people. 
But God orchestrated it such that, that Paul was surrounded by these influential people. Paul was aware of these, his current circumstances and who were around him. No, we may not be in prison today, but people are watching our lives. And people are watching whether we belong to Christ or not. And Paul says, I was imprisoned for Christ. Are we imprisoned for Christ not in the context of a physical uh, imprisonment, but because of our deep love and affection for Jesus? And Paul, in writing to Romans, the very first uh, few words, he says, Paul, the bond servant of Jesus. And because he was a bond servant of Jesus, he recognized that he had given his life into the hands of his master. He was able to recognize that what was happening to him was under God's control. And he was able to be aware of the current situation and the necessity for him that flowed out of his experience and love for Jesus to be a blessing to the people that were around him. Now Paul seizes the opportunity. For two and a half years, one of the guards wore one side of the chain while Paul wore the other side of the chain, and they were to be within four feet of Apostle Paul. Now, Paul recognized that what seemed like a setback in the visible reality was actually a setup by God to advance the kingdom of God. Now, what sometimes seems like a setback in your life is actually a setup that God is orchestrating behind the scenes to make you a blessing in ways that you and I could never imagine. In God's sovereignty, the Lord ordained Paul's imprisonment in Rome so that many people will hear the gospel and who would otherwise never have heard the gospel. No, although God closed the prison door behind Paul, he opened a new door inside the prison for Paul To be a blessing to people that were around him. Now always remember, Jesus is in the prison with you. Perhaps there are some of you who are going through difficult times at this point. But whatever those difficult times are, Jesus is there in your life and with you, even in the circumstances that you are facing that do not make any sense. Now someone said, three things do not come back. Opportunity, time, and words. And Paul was making use of the opportunity that God had given him to witness to those whom God had brought into his path. And Paul was using the time that God had given him those two years to make use of that time. And he was was using words when necessary to show forth his love for Jesus. Now, sometimes some of us might really think, well, I'm not in prison right now. But, you know, so much of the freedom that we used to enjoy is being curtailed in the context that we are living in. Recently, I was talking to a young man who emigrated from another country, uh, belongs to another religion, practices that religion, and he's working as a, uh, in a bank in uh, one of the uh, banks in, uh, in the GTA area. And he was called in uh, by his manager and was reprimanded. And was told that he would lose his job if he should continue this behavior. So when he asked him what was the, what, what was the, uh, uh, the context of this meeting, he said, Well, you wished Merry Christmas to one of my clients and they have complained to me and you have to really watch out your words. All of the freedom that we had to live for Christ is being curtailed in many ways. And in that context, 
It might feel like we are living in a prison where we do not have the freedom to share the gospel, to live for Christ, to show forth the love of Jesus. But in the midst of that, do we recognize? Are we aware of the circumstances that God has put us in? And do we seize the opportunities that God has given us? And as I mentioned earlier, Paul was chained to a guard. Now it occurred to me, it was not that Paul was chained to a guard, but it, uh, to a soldier, but a soldier was chained to Paul during those two years. Now dear brothers and sisters, God has chained certain people to us at this time and this phase in our lives who need to know Jesus who are longing for deliverance and seeking for deliverance and peace in places where there is promises made, but there's no delivery of those promises. Because only in the name of Jesus and by the power of Jesus can we experience the peace and the presence of God in our lives and deliverance in our lives. Have we ever stopped to ponder the fact That God has put us in our places of work where we are chained to people for 8 hours a day or 40 hours a week. Who are outside the fold. Seemingly they may not be in prison. But yet they are chained to us and they are observing our life. Even as Paul said that they may know that I am imprisoned for Christ. That my love for Jesus and my affection for Jesus is what has really put me in this place. So the way we talk, the way we behave, the way we make our choices, does it make it clear to the people that are around us that we are making these decisions because of Jesus Christ, whom we love and follow? Are we cognizant of the fact that the neighborhood that we have moved into is a place where God has brought us into so that we can be a blessing to the people that are in our neighborhood? There are no mistakes or coincidences in God's provision. He advances his kingdom in you and through you. Now God has chained us through our children. Now uh, in uh, in the year 2000, a sociologist from University of Maryland published a study and he's published that uh, in a married father spends about 6.5 hours with his children per week. And a married mother spends about Uh, 13.9 hours with uh, her children per week. Now, whether we want it or not, we have been given the privilege to be chained to our children. And how we influence them through our speaking, through our actions, through our reactions. They are watching us. And these observations do not necessarily or only affect their actions, but they form who they are. And this is the blessing that God has given to us to pass on to the next generation of how when they are under our roof to, imp- to be impacting them, to be influencing them. And similarly, God has changed our children to us so that we can learn from them through their example and the stance that they take for Jesus as well. And that's true in many cases as well. And if you do not know Jesus... And it's no coincidence that you have come, into this, come to this place this morning to hear God's word. Whether it is through the connections that you have, through the friendships that you have at work, or through your neighbors. God has somehow chained you to them. So that he can reveal to you the amazing and incredible glory that God has revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. And this is the blessing that, you've, that he has given to us. 
We are chained to the people that we are working with. Last uh, Tuesday after the prayer meeting, uh, one of uh, uh, the people who come to the prayer meeting was sharing with me that uh, at a retirement party, uh, several people came to her and said of the specific date and the time and the ways that this individual has influenced and encouraged them in, uh, in the last 20, 30 years that they have worked with. You may be really surprised of the uh, impact that we can have on individuals through our words. But God has given us those, that, that blessing to be passing on words of encouragement and words of hope. Now today you may be going through a season of great difficulty. Perhaps you or someone close to you has, got, has been diagnosed with a sickness. Or maybe you have lost your job and are going through financial situations. And economic uncertainty. Perhaps there is unrest and fightings at home. Or there is conflict. Or maybe a friend or a family member has passed away. Perhaps you're living with broken dreams or unfulfilled desires. Whatever you're going through, I want you to know that there is hope. God wants to work in you in the midst of the situation that you are going through. Now, Christian life can be bittersweet. The bitter part is the experience of pain and suffering that we go through. And let's face it, no trials and tragedies are never easy. They are painful. No one loves hardships or difficulties. Nevertheless, the Christian life is sweet because in the midst of the suffering, God never wastes the provision that he makes for us. He works his purposes through the pain that we are going through. In fact, God will do something, some of his best work through the pain as we are going through. Now, when Handel wrote uh, uh, the Hallelujah Chorus, his health and his fortune had reached an all-time low. His right side was paralyzed. And his money was gone. He was very depressed. He was in debt. And he was threatened to be imprisoned. And in the midst of this hopeless situation where he was ready to give up, he composed his greatest work, the Messiah. That has become a blessing to people for generations. So God gives us his blessing, his strength in the midst of the challenges that we face. Now Paul also realized that God's plans were greater than his physical limitations. Yes, we all have physical limitations as we are on this side of eternity in this fallen world. Oftentimes we think of the bonds, our bonds, our, our unworthiness, or the feeling of inadequacy, or feelings of failure, or ourselves being incapable or unable to spread the Gospels or influence anybody. But I want to encourage you. That God wants to shine through us, even through the broken, cracked, earthen vessels. Oftentimes we focus too much on the circumstances than what God is wanting to, willing to, well able to do through our lives and in our lives. Let me read a story that I read recently. 
a water bearer in India had two large pots, each hung on an end of a pole which he carried across his neck. One of the parts had cracks in it, while the other part was perfect and always delivered a full portion of water at the end of the long walk from the stream to the master's house. The cracked pot arrived only half full. For a full two years this went on daily, with the bearer delivering only one and half parts of water in his master's house. Of course, the, pa- the perfect pot was proud of its accomplishments. Perfect to the end for which it was made. But the poor cracked pot was ashamed of its own imperfections. And miserable that it was able to accomplish only half of what it was meant to be. After two years of what it perceived to be a bitter failure, the cracked pot spoke up to the water bearer one day by the stream. I am ashamed of myself. I want to apologize to you. Why? asked the bearer. What are you ashamed of? I have been able for these two past years to deliver only half of my load because this crack in my side causes water to leak out all the way back to your master's house. Because of my flaws, you have to do all the work and you don't get full value for your effort, the pot said. The water bearer felt sorry for the old crack pot and in his compassion he said, as we return to the master's house, I want you to notice the beautiful flowers along the path. Indeed, as they went up the hill, the old cracked pot noticed the sun warming the beautiful wild flowers on the side of the path, and this cheered it some. But at the end of the uh, uh, trail, it still felt bad because it had leaked out half of its load, and so again the pot apologized to the bearer for its failure. The bearer said to the pot, Did you notice that there were flowers only on your side of the path, but not on the other other part's side? That's because I've always known about your flaw, and I took advantage of it. I planted flower seeds on your side of the path, and every day while we were walking back from the stream, you watered them. For two years I've been able to pick these beautiful flowers to decorate my master's table without being just the way you are, he would not have had the beauty to grace his table. No matter how flawed we are, as long as we are in the master's hand, with all of the cracks and the warts that we have, if we allow him to, he will use it for his glory. Now don't be afraid of your flaws. Paul was given a thorn in the flesh. That's what Paul writes in First Corinthians. But he appropriated the grace that was sufficient for him and realized that God's power was made perfect even in Paul's weaknesses. Would you want to appropriate this power that God gives us? Now Paul also, Paul's bonds also encouraged his fellow believers. Now Paul concludes this section by writing, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much bolder to speak the word without fear. Now Paul's prison sentence brought greater boldness among the brothers and sisters who were living in Rome. Now rather than laying low and hiding, these believers were inspired by Paul's courage. And consequently they were able to stand up boldly 
and declare the work of God. They said to themselves, if Paul could really share Christ in prison, then why can't we do it outside of the prison? So likewise, today we may not be in prison, but when we think and hear and read about men and women of God in Sudan, in North Korea, in China, in some places in India, where there is severe persecution, we get excited and we get energized and we get motivated to live for Jesus. Now one of the blessings that God has given us in this church is that we have so many international workers and we have an opportunity to sit down with those international workers, whether it is Pastor Sock or Kim or, or the Pedalas or Jose, and, and see and hear from them what God is doing through their ministry. In the midst of the sacrifice that they have, in the midst of the limited resources, and our faith could be stirred up. And our love for Jesus could be doubled or tripled. You know, the author to the Hebrew says, And let us consider how to stir one another up in love and to good works. It's in the context of the body that we are challenged. And uh, just as in Paul's case, as most of the brothers and sisters, having been confident of the Lord by his imprisonment, became bold to speak the word without any fear. Now, a few weeks ago, we had a, a video of uh, two young ladies uh, saving up their money for uh, the day camp. And some of you will remember that, Nicole and her sister. And it was a, a pulsating testimony of how God had birthed in their hearts desire to ask their parents and grandparents any gifts for birthday and Christmas should be uh, given in the form of cash. And they saved it up, not for themselves to come to the uh, uh, day camp, but also to sponsor others. And that story had really uh, uh, birthed faith in many of you. And right after the service, I'm told several of you went to Pastor Salange and, uh, and sponsored other children. And that's one example of how we spur each other to good works. And do you realize that we commit ourselves to boldly declare Jesus in the place that God has put us in? Then those Christ followers who are part of uh, the, uh, the job force where we are, they will be strengthened. Or perhaps you might be a, a, a teacher or a student, or perhaps working as an engineer or in healthcare or in construction or, a, or, or in any other job. When we begin to live for Jesus, our love for Jesus and the steps that we take is going to challenge and bless those that are around us. So they themselves will now become bold in proclaiming, living for Jesus and proclaiming the word that Jesus has for them. Now, how did Paul encourage his fellow believers while he was in prison? I can think of four ways that Paul encouraged his fellow believers in, uh, uh, from the prison. First, he faced his difficulties with joy. Second, he used every opportunity to speak for Christ. And then he demonstrated a complete lack of fear. And finally, he refused to complain or blame others. Now, dear brothers and sisters, this is an incredible blessing that you and I have to taste and experience Jesus. Now, this series is called Awaken, seeing the stories of Jesus in the life and script, in the lives of people in Scripture. And I believe that God wants to weave the story of Jesus into your life and my life. Not his stories in people's lives, but into your life and my life. 
And we need to be awakened to the fact of the great calling that God has given us to love him, to serve him, to live for him, and to proclaim his word in the context that God has given us. Now, last Tuesday we were uh, having our prayer meeting, and these days, uh, for the last several weeks, we have been praying through the book of Psalms in our uh, uh, Tuesday evening uh, prayer meeting. And last Tuesday we were praying through Psalm 28. And David starts off this psalm by saying, To you, Lord, I call, you are my rock. And some of you who know the story of David, David went through a lot of pain in his own life. Yes, there were successes, God, uh, man of God's own uh, heart. But yet, he had to find the gi- fight the giants outside of him. He had to fight the giants within him. To a point that he disobeyed God and there's a price that he had to pay when his own children, some of his children rose up against him. At least Absalom did. When he was chased by uh, King Saul, his predecessor. In spite of all of the pain that, was, that, uh, that uh, the psalmist that David was going through. He says, to you Lord I call, you are my rock. And towards the end of that passage, psalmist uses four words. To speak, as it, as it were, the secret of his relationship with God. He says, you are the fortress of my salvation. You are my strength. You are my shield. And you are my shepherd. And I believe Paul was experiencing the same thing in his life. That he had experienced God as the fortress of his salvation. He had experienced God as his strength, even in the prison that he was bound to chains at that time. And he was experiencing God as his shield, defending him from the darts of unfaith that probably were aimed at him by the enemy. And he was experiencing God as his shepherd. No matter what circumstances we are, God is calling us to a place where we will have The light that he has lit in our lives to shine forth so that others could be attracted to Jesus. But in the process, our life is transformed in ways that only Jesus can transform. Last week I was talking to uh, somebody who heard the gospel uh, when he was an undergraduate student. And uh, coming from a different faith, he had become a Christ follower. So I asked him, so how was it? How did your parents receive uh, your conversion? He said, you know, they rejected me for some time, uh, but I persevered. And over the years, when my father visited me, as he uh, as they currently live in the United States, he said, uh, he came to know the Lord. My parents-in-law, when they visited me, they have come to know the Lord. And who could have imagined that the light of the gospel would spread through the entire family, through one individual who responded to the gospel and has been faithful to the light that has been given to them. I was just reflecting this morning on the story of Naaman. And if some of you do not know the story of Naaman, Naaman was a commander-in-chief of the Syrian army. We read that story in, in, in the Old Testament, in the book of Kings. And he, the Bible describes him as a valiant man. Through him, there have been many mighty battles that have been won for the king of Syria. And then it says, but he was a leper. There was a great need in the life and the house of this man who was valiant and who was successful. But in, during one of his conquests, he had brought a slave girl from Israel who was uh, helping in the house. He was helping his wife in the house. And when this slave girl found out 
that Naaman was uh, uh, struck with leprosy. How she found out, we do not know, in the, in the class system there. But she was able to point him to Prophet Elisha. And Prophet Elisha was able to bring healing through the power of Jehovah into Naaman's life. If God could use a slave girl to bring deliverance and healing and exalt the name of Jesus, how much more God is waiting and wanting and willing to use us to taste his love and to pass it to those around us. Would we want to? experience this joy and pass it on to others as well so that God can weave his stories into our lives and that we could pass on the legacy that he has given to us. Let us bow our heads in Father, we thank you for this privilege that you have given to us to read your word and to be blessed by the testimony of men like Apostle Paul who went all out in loving you, in serving you and exercising the gift that you have given him for the advance of the gospel whether in joy or in adversity so we pray that you would bless us I do not know if there is anyone here who is facing an adversity whether it is sickness, whether it is loss of loved ones, whether it is broken dreams, or whether it is missing their children or parents, or it is unemployment or financial challenges that they are going through. But we thank you, dear Father, that you are more than the painful circumstances that we go through, and that you want to use what appears to be as a setback, as a setup for your glory, so that we can enjoy the fullness of Christ that you intend us to enjoy and pass it on to those that are outside your fold. We pray that you will bless us and that this would mark a new beginning in our lives where we would uh, reconsecrate ourselves and refresh our love for our Master. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. May the powerful name of Jesus, the only name given under heaven whereby men and women can be saved, go with you and weave God's stories into your life even this week so that you too will know that he loves you and will use you in the proclamation of the gospel and the good news. Go in Jesus' name.